Brighton Talk Sex, the sex education we never had at school. You're listening to Brighton Talk Sex. Sponsored by She Said Boutique, bringing to you the finest selection of designer lingerie, burlesque fashion, adult toys and erotica. Welcome to Brighton Talk Sex. Today I'm with Andrew, whom I've invited along because he has a very wonderful journey of celibacy that really, when he spoke at Brighton Talk Sex, at the live event really spoke to people and wasn't what we perceive as celibacy to be. So welcome, Andrew. Good evening. <laughs> so um, when you were speaking with us, when you were sharing with us at the live event, I was really curious that usually when we talk about celibacy, it's something with the scene to suppress sex or to suppress our desire for pleasure and sexual connection. So I'd like to you, for you to share a little bit to where you were coming from in your exploration of celibacy. Mm. So... I think when many people hear the term celibacy, they're thinking about it as a, a kind of lifetime choice, like a, a religious commitment, for example, and, mm-hmm. um, like as um, perhaps a, a Catholic priest or a Buddhist monk, for example. Um, whereas the type, and there's also um, involuntary celibacy, which is talked about a bit in the media, people who find it difficult to find relationships. The, I think the phrase I used in the talk was a sex fast Mm-hmm. Um, so um, a conscious and deliberate period of refraining or abstaining from um, sexual relationships, um, sex with others and sex with self mm-hmm. as, a, as a way of, as a kind of tool for personal and spiritual development. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, sort, that's the approach that I took with it. So that was your that was your reason for your choice that it was for a a personal spiritual development. Yes, and that came out of um, the the sort of story behind it is about five years ago, a relationship had ended and um, ended quite painfully for mm-hmm. various reasons, and at that time I sort of reflected back on my relationship history and I wasn't keen on the idea of immediately looking for something new Mm. but I was aware that that had been my pattern for a long period of time and in fact when I looked back to my through my relationship history there hadn't been a period since my sort of mid-teens where I wasn't either in a relationship or having sexual experiences or seeking um, one or both of those busy Um, Busy, absolutely. <laughs> and I'd realised that there was a story there about mm. about sex and about relationships and about love as, like, romantic love, mm-hmm. as uh, being an absolute priority in my life to the detriment of other, um, other goals. And something about that I realised wasn't very healthy. Mm. Um, there was this sense of trying to complete myself with another person. Um, and I realized that I needed some time 
to be by myself, mm. um, to to grow, um, and that kind of that led on to looking at relationship of sex with self um, and pornography, um, which as many men and not just men use quite regularly, had become a regular feature of my life. And again, realizing that there was something just not quite okay about that. There was um, perhaps an addictive quality to it and certainly an avoidant quality to it um, uh, that I used as a way of passing the time or of self-soothing mm. and of... Um, and I'd, be, I'd come across an online community of men that chose to abstain from uh, pornography um, and masturbation as a way of growing as individuals. And so that kind of added to my decision to kind of commit to that mm. um, a period of time without, um, without sex in my life, basically, and kind of see how I would feel. Mm. So it was enabling you to go out of repetitive patterns. Yes. Yeah, around, did you feel there was an addiction to sex or it was it was feeding something in your life? Yes, so there, there was certainly an addictive quality to it. Um, mm. And it was a sense of being somehow deficient without it mm. or defining myself in some way by, um, by my relationships or my... Um, sex life it's kind of this was mm. part of my identity it was quite important to me mm. and um there was something avoidant about that um so kind of not knowing self or being yourself without mm. other yes yeah and it, to some extent yeah defining myself by other mm. um or by activity um mm. and not really knowing even when I looked at when I was within relationships, um, there was a lot of um, how should I say this? I I enjoyed caretaking. I say this is one way of doing. It. I like caretaking for partners, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to do that for myself. So it, when I wasn't in a relationship, I felt depressed. I felt uh, I didn't eat well or look after myself or um, the kind of effort I'd put into a relationship. Mm, uh, so there's a sense of mattering. Yes. Mm. It's like, oh, I have a purpose now. And mm. it, was, it was another person. Mm. Whereas my own being, my own self, there wasn't that sense of self-love or the desire to nurture or um, look after my own being. Mm. Uh, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't even know it was okay to do that. <laughs> and that it became clear to me that that wasn't okay. That wasn't a healthy way to to um, live life. And I became I'd, this sort of period had, had come about after I'd started a meditation practice and I started learning about um, various um, spiritual traditions and started to get a feel for or some awareness of the concept of um, being the change you want to see in the world. So mm. instead of me fixing up other people, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I need to change myself. Also, um, this idea of mirroring 
uh, mirroring mm. and uh, law of attraction and the kind of relationships I had were with people who mirrored me to some degree. Mm. Um, and this idea that two birds with broken wings can't help each other to fly. No. It's, um, and that's, I, I wasn't well mm. uh, emotionally. I wasn't a, a particularly complete being. Mm. And I was looking to fill that void with uh, sex and relationships. Mm. And it's not a very effective strategy for life, I found. Mm. Um, it didn't mean that the relationships weren't very balanced. They weren't very stable. Um, and I, I just, I guess I got sick of it. I wanted to try something different. Mm. And came to the conclusion that I needed to be a more rounded individual and have a sense of who I am and what I wanted in the world and a sense of purpose and meaning. Mm. Um, and then perhaps later on I would attract somebody similar and mm. have a very different basis for a relationship that came from um, something a bit more solid and grounded. Yeah. So you really, the, for me, this feels like authentic celibacy. Well, there's not a suppressant of sex or a denial of sex it's more of a an exploration around sex so that then there can be a rising or a growing from yes yes absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely it's not a it's it's not a uh, in any way looking at sex or relationships as bad or wrong or immoral or mm. the pleasure is somehow um something to deprive Mm. oneself from so you um, were exploring your behavior behind your knee or you're yeah. exploring your need for it yeah okay um and i think there was there's an aspiration to something else in that mm. looking at my relationship with with sex relationships was sort of seeking intensity or drama and um mm. there wasn't really much intimacy um if any because mm. I wasn't comfortable with being intimate with myself. I wasn't comfortable being vulnerable with other people. So there was a lot of projection of, of trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And um, and then trying to make other people be what I wanted them to be. And there wasn't a sense of vulnerability. It wasn't an, a, much intimacy. There wasn't uh, much real connection. Mm. Um, I would look at my... Um, because I, I wanted to um, sort of conceal some of the more vulnerable sides of myself and some of my fears and, and what I really thought. So I would adopt a certain persona and I could be the life and soul of the party and the first person at the party and last person to leave. And um, I was a DJ and I uh, sort of very gregarious and it was, it was a bit of a show. Because mm. I'd lure somebody in with this kind of version of myself and mm. then I'd do this bait and switch and kind of <laughs> after someone had become a bit um, uh, engulfed in, in that relationship, I'd mm. then sort of reveal the tortured soul underneath and expect, and kind of say, expect them to look after or fix me and mm. demand things from relationships that just shouldn't be demanded from romantic relationships. Mm. There was blurring of unmet childhood needs and that I didn't know how to look after myself so I'd expect my partners and you know, sometimes I'd think of them in, a, in almost a, a pseudo maternal role mm. and I don't think that's very um I don't think what they signed up for no. and I don't think it's very healthy it wasn't no, healthy for healthy. me certainly and um 
So there's a lot of old of patterns that I'd seen, and mm. uh, I just didn't want to arise again. And the whole thing about taking a break and having a period of conscious, voluntary celibacy mm. was a chance to heal this stuff without partly as a, a gift to others and a gift to myself in that I didn't want to drag anyone else through my mud anymore. I'd cause some harm, I'd hurt people. Um, and I didn't want to hurt myself anymore with it because mm. I wasn't really taking care of myself mm. with these repetitive situations. I don't think we realise as human beings that we... Um play out all these archetypes in the bedroom mm. that that's usually where they happen mm. like the wounded child and the victim I yes. don't think we we tend to realise that that's where we tend to play everything out yes it's, uh, that the closeness of, of, of intimacy of that space it's it's that's where they they arise most strongly mm. um, and I don't think the wounded child is a particularly erotic archetype to no, bring into the bedroom. one who wants or father <laughs> yeah. or... Um, and even... Yeah. <sighs> Bringing any of that stuff into a relationship, I mean... It, as I've kind of grown a bit, I've realised you can't avoid that to some degree. If it's mm. there, it's there. But doing it unconsciously is really, is really destructive. Mm. Um, not recognising that that's what's happening and being able to own it and go, okay, this is arising now. Maybe I can, we can, or I or we can work with mm. this. And um, not knowing it what it is, not recognising it, not being able to um, hold it appropriately mm. is, I think, quite harmful. Mm. So when um, you were going through your time of celibacy, mm. when a desire arose for you, a, a need or a want for sex or other, mm. how did you attend to that? Yes. So there was certainly a, a, a sort of withdrawal process um, mm -hmm. of feeling very low, um, even panicky. Um, I'd... And that went on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And there were some strong yearnings to, oh, I'll just do some online dating or I'll go to a dating event or maybe I'll... One of my patterns would be to befriend people um, when actually I was interested in them romantically um, mm. and kind of try and lead a relationship in a certain direction even when I wasn't particularly interested in following something through and so it gets to a certain point where I'm starting to be validated and getting some of that love and attention back and then it's like oh no I'm done thanks I, that's why I got what I need I'm out and that's <laughs> yeah that's not a um, that's not a particularly helpful pattern either um so fortunately I mean doing this kind of thing on your own without support I would I would say for me was impossible so I needed to find people who had gone before me and, and knew the mm. knew the terrain so to speak mm -hmm. to offer support and guidance that's the online communities I found um, support groups locally and that helped a lot mm. um, boundaries being a really important part of this this kind of practice is having I had very strong boundaries in the beginning around what kind of 
relationships I uh, was okay to have and to really ask myself very, very honestly, be really briefly honest with myself, what are my motivations for this, for any mm. kind of relationship? And I more or less didn't speak to, or didn't have one-to-one time with any women under the age of maybe 45 mm. um, for about 18 months mm. outside of the, the groups that I, I went to. Um because so you're I looking could, at your agendas. Yeah, behind. I had to look at it. Or I had to kind of really ask myself, why am I nurturing this so-called friendship? Is mm. it really a friendship? Is there is there an agenda behind that? Or maybe not even an agenda, but perhaps a fantasy. Like, mm. um, how did I feel if someone I kind of started to develop a bit of an emotional connection with, and then like they start talking about their a uh, uh, date they were going on, mm. and they were like. Oh, I feel angry at that. I feel jealous of that. Well, then it's not just a friendship. I've I've created a layer and a story over this, what is on the surface, a completely healthy, normal friendship mm. that's just not honest. Mm. Um, and so stepping away from all of those and um, was hard in the beginning, but it's a, it's a wonderful gift because I, I spent so much time kind of nurturing those kind of relationships um, kind of um, that I didn't really nurture male friendships I didn't actually have many close male friends in my life mm. and that was a real deficiency you know, the masculine was really missing for, for my life and um, the support and, and brotherhood of other men wasn't just wasn't there mm. so by kind of cutting a lot of ties and quite savagely really in the in the beginning uh, it made a lot of space that allowed um, male friendships to mm. arise and um, be nurtured and grow. And that's been kind of one of the joys of the past couple of years is, is having a group of, of male friends that I, uh, I feel a lot of affection and love and brotherhood with. Mm, it's beautiful. I guess it's because your focus was solely on women and what you needed and mm. wanted from women. So there wasn't Absolutely. any energy, there wasn't focus any energy there. left for, or a desire. There wasn't yeah. a desire for men, was there? And there was a desire for, for love and connection mm. that go that went beyond the sexual and the romantic. And mm. The desire to feel of, I think, the universal stuff to be seen, to be respected, mm. to be loved, to feel love, um, to feel part of something, for belonging. That's That was the, the need that I was trying to fill with mm. sex and romance. Um, I didn't trust men enough to even consider that I could get any of those needs met through um, through male friendships. I had a couple of male friends that go back along many, many years, but even then there was still a sense of we would get together to do activities together. Mm. Um, they didn't know much about my life. I didn't know a huge amount about theirs. Um, to actually feel, um, yeah, genuine intimacy and connection with men was just completely out of my experience. Um, that goes uh, goes back decades. Mm. Um, and it wasn't easy at first. It's kind I, of what men are taught as well, really. It's that bravado thing, isn't it? I think for hug. many of us, yeah. We don't yeah. hug. Yeah. There's there's a lot of homophobia in that. It's like mm. to hope to, to, to hug another man. It's like creates a um it's 
creates a lot of fear um, mm. for f physical contact. Um, Even between father and sons, I would yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Even now, um, there's very little affection, physical affection with my sort of the men in, in my family. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. I think it's a loss. Mm. Uh, it was certainly a loss from my life. Mm. Um, so developing that has been has been quite joyous but it was really difficult in the beginning I, I remember when I first sort of started forming a male friendship group and I'd been I'd been added to this WhatsApp group I'd been introduced to a group of guys who got together to go to the cinema or play board games and just, just hang out as friends and I'd been added to this group and let's, let someone would put a message up uh, to say oh we're going to get together on this night at someone's house and, and maybe play some board games or cards um, who's in and I, I would be terrified about putting myself forward because I didn't feel there was a real sense of not being worthy of it. And I'd be like, oh, you sent this message. So I'd actually text back something like, oh, I, I saw this message. Is, is, would it be all right if I joined in and would, I, would it be okay if I, I came along? And I'd be really anxious until I got that, that kind of reassurance that actually it was okay to, to participate in something I had been invited already to participate in. Mm -hmm. So it took, a, it took a while to become secure i think in in that group and um yeah it's been very healing hmm. sounds important it was just knowing that you were valued and mm. accepted yeah for sure hmm. you um how long were you celibate for i did approximately 18 months of um celibacy from any kind mm. of sexual activity with others or self and no dating no real emotional kind of or intimate connection with um, mm. women um, in that time. Mm. I hear a lot of people saying that they're um, single or they're celibate and then um, it's kind of they'll be single or they'll be celibate until something comes along. Yes. And that's very different. That's more I will be single or I'll be celibate until the external changes and brings me something yeah. that's worth changing for yeah. to an actual conscious inner choice to have a period of singlehood mm. that's genuine singlehood and celibacy mm. so that was 18 months for you the the authentic singlehood yes it, it was 18 months of of sort of absolute celibacy and mm. um that grew into it was around two and a half years i think in total of, of well it's it's been it was more like four and a half years of certainly from from sustained relationships i um not perfectly but that was the intention i was curious um, about did you at the end of the 18 months think okay that's enough or <laughs> <laughs> no just and uh, was it i mean from personal experience, I know it was uh, just an inner knowing mm -hmm. that there was a, a, a wholeness and a readiness to just share. So what was what was the bit when you, you knew? Because you're in a relationship now. That's right, yes. Yeah. Um, it, wasn't in, it wasn't hugely clear-cut. Okay. Um, there was some there was some good particular work that I was I was focusing on around um, personal development and I that was my focus for that period. It involved looking a lot of my past and doing mm -hmm. quite a lot of writing and journaling and um, 
clearing up some situations from the past and mm -hmm. that was the focus I kind of wanted to get to the end of that um, so the fear was an internal feeling that now is time to there was there was a lot of shifts it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't like one thing mm -hmm. there were quite a few shifts okay. um, around just how I felt in myself and how I was living my life and how I felt the kind of the yearning to, to fill um, up any kind of emptiness with another person that had, mm. been, had gone for quite some time. And to, and to some extent, uh, I feel life kind of has its own agenda to some degree. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I... Um, one of the things that came out of this kind of work was to cultivate some activities that were kind of healthy and I really enjoyed doing but weren't about um, seeking out relationships and mm -hmm. uh, dance was a big part of that for me so I, I started going to five rhythms classes and I, I mentioned I used to DJ years ago um, so <laughs> I took that up again and uh, started playing music at uh, ecstatic dance events so sort of conscious raves if you like mm -hmm. um, and then just through doing that I met somebody who also loved dancing and, and there was a, a connection there and it, it seemed to be kind of right mm. um, and I, I had in the past used those kind of events as a okay I could go to this and uh, one part of my mind is like okay who am I going to meet tonight is mm. anyone I'm attracted to anyone in but I hadn't, I hadn't gone to it with that agenda for some time. And that, I think that's a, a key difference. I think there's also such a delicious difference in quality in coming from need. Mm. Like there's an emptiness and I want to fill it mm. to a place of fullness. And I'd like to share that. Yes. Yeah. It's a, there's a, a very different feeling tone to it. Mm. Um, This, that sense of um, connection, but from from some kind of grounding, um, and not kind of getting immediately lost into into something or, or losing that sense of myself. Mm. Um, That's another one, giving been, ourselves away. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it's easy to do, um, and kind of staying level-headed about something, and then taking things slightly, and um, not just abandoning myself to to um to a connection really quickly mm. um which is a, a challenge in itself when something's feeling good and going well it's like i'm i'm not the world's most patient person so um <laughs> taking things deliberately slowly is a practice in itself mm. how is this relationship different to What's the things you've noticed mostly? That from where you were in relationships to where you are now? There's a level of honesty. And uh, I, I, I would say authenticity about it that's uh, completely new to me. And uh, this is really quite wonderful. Uh, and uncomfortable at times. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the truth isn't always easy. No. Um, but it's there and, and um, 
I think the the mirroring thing and, and that law of attraction stuff I, I mentioned earlier. That mm-hmm. I I f- uh, believe that I um, that she and I are on a very similar page when it comes to uh, wanting something very conscious and real and authentic and honest, mm-hmm. uh, even when that is not easy. Uh, and there's a sense of working together towards something mm. um, without just getting lost here, mm. which is completely alien and sometimes deeply uncomfortable, mm. um, but also really beautiful. And um, if you don't mind me asking, the sex, um, if is there a different quality in your relationship, the sex? I mean, yes. it's not coming from need anymore, is it? It's, it's different. I think I, I, I'm only sort of speaking for myself. You know, I'm, I'm bringing a sort of vulnerability to it that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and presence as well, I think. Um, I, I certainly, I was very goal oriented in my sex life in the past, um, influenced by, um, there was influence from pornography. It's like, this is how sex is supposed to be and look and sound. Mm. And this is how I'm supposed to look and behave and how my partner is supposed to look and behave and, and learning to drop that and Mm. be more present with what's happening and less goal oriented has been, um, it's it's a it's a big shift. A wonderful one. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, um, you look so healthy and uh, alive and light. <laughs> you do. Oh, thank and you. There's a contentedness and a peace. Mm. I, I feel very grateful for um, the opportunities I've had to to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't it wasn't always that easy or pleasant process and uh, I'm not under any illusions there's not an awful lot of work still to do mm. um, but I'm I feel quite committed to it and that's uh, uh, I, I like the the growth even, mm. when, it, even when it's uncomfortable mm. I think the idea of that happening with celibacy enables us to truly see who we are mm. because we haven't got the others around us to bounce off we have to really look at ourselves yeah. when we're alone yes that's true and um, even being our aloneness i agree i mm. i do think that i mean when i one of the things i i sort of did as um before re-entering into the, the potential for relationship is to look at my motivations like i've got i've become mm. quite comfortable being mm. um the word single sort of suggests seeking that's such a yeah. strong association with it but mm. um, not being in, in relationship or looking well i've become quite um single settled, settled, <laughs> yeah settled in that so it's mm. like do i want to take on the challenge of, of a conscious relationship as it is a challenge mm. it's um it's very exposing mm. it's um so it's having it, stuff will come out that might not come out when you're on your own Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a, a desire for growth in that way as well as the desire to, to connect and, and um, enjoy the company and the uh, intimacy of a relationship that's also mm-hmm. a part, part of my motivation behind it was to 
uh, as a catalyst for more growth. Mm. Mm. I feel it's important to be content in our own aloneness. Mm -hmm. And it's curious, so you were just saying then about single and looking, and it, often it's people around as well that, you know, once we're single, start trying to set us up. <laughs> or say, it's this stigma that single isn't healthy. Yes. That we ought to be in relationships and we ought to be married by now. Or mm. So it's not just our internal messages and patterns we have running around. It's society's messages that we receive as well about, you know, being a, a certain age and single or that we're meant to be coupled all the time. Mm. So how did you deal with peer pressure, let's say, from... I don't think, I, I've been lucky. There wasn't really any. Uh, partly because I surrounded myself with people who mm. um, who understood mm. what I was doing, and or people who know me for many years and were probably quite relieved um, mm. that they weren't going to get dragged into one of my dramas, mm. um, one of my relational dramas. And I actually had a lot of support. I had support from family. Um, there was a bit of family pressure. I I, I spent my mother for example would quite like to see me married off and producing children i think that's mm -hmm. a fairly normal uh a fairly common desire for yeah. from mothers for their sons um but she's wise she's wise enough to know there's there's more important things than that um and my friends were very supportive and, and i made made uh connections with other people who who got it mm. and, um in fact I would say most people do have an instinctive sense of the value of it. Yeah. Um, um, a, a sort of uh, a good analogy is I, I also don't drink alcohol, and when I when I made that choice, um, I was quite nervous that I would meet people and they'd offer me drinks and they'd, and, and they'd try and pressure me. And the well, the actual response I got, which was really hard, is everyone gets it. If you say, oh, I, I, I don't drink, like, okay, they understand why. We've, I think we've all had enough experiences, uh, a negative experience of alcohol, either seeing it, seeing it in others or socially or personal experience to get mm -hmm. why someone goes, I see, I'm not going to get on that train tonight. Yeah. Um, so there was very little pushback. Um, the yeah. only time I would have had a pushback from anyone would be someone else who perhaps has a sort of their own dysfunctional um relationship with sex and love or mm. or when i stopped drinking they're just for dysfunctional relationship with alcohol and someone choosing to abstain from that is it's a very powerful mirror and it's a threatening mirror and mm. so i could i could uh if someone had an issue with that choice it's because they really had a, a, a strong attachment to to it, and there was a fear based response. Yeah. The majority of people were very supportive, well, and they won't get why you would be abstaining from relationships or alcohol. Like you said, the people around you got it. Yes, and also it sounded like people were quite delighted <laughs> that you mm. you chosen that for yourself. Some people, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's more caring and loving, obviously, from what you were saying you were mm -hmm. going through. To this seemed more of a loving choice yes. to stop that behaviour. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So if anyone was listening to this, it, it sounds like support is really important. If they are yes. feeling that this is the conscious choice that is important for them right now, 
Yes, I, I think that applies to lots of things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're not really solo beings. Um, th- there's this. I, I think I I heard it said somewhere, read somewhere about how particularly the kind of people we surround ourselves with. To some extent, we're the aggregate of the people we surround ourselves with. And um, I wanted. Um, I wanted support from people who kind of understood the what it is to um, to abstain from relationships and um, sexual activity, what that felt like, what the challenges were, mm-hmm. and uh, who were experiencing it themselves. Mm-hmm. So that creates um, a strong sense of, um, of brotherhood and, and fellowship and, and connection to other guys who do that. And um, in at times when I found it a struggle. It was good to have people to reach out to mm. um, and to, to do that myself as well. Mm. What else do you feel was very supportive? Uh, my own personal spiritual practice mm-hmm. um, was really important. So I've been a regular meditator for um, seven years now and practicing mindfulness. And um, that's been absolutely uh, essential to support me through through this. The the skill of recognizing uh, a kind of emotional response or um, and being able to to just kind of be with that without immediately reacting to it. Mm-hmm. So I'd notice that craving come it's like, oh I wanna I wanna go to this place where I know there'll be um, the kind of women that I, I know I can um, attract or, or become emotionally involved with. It's like, oh, I, I can, I can feel that. I can, I've got the thoughts, I've got the feelings, I've got the, the sense of discomfort, and to not immediately react to that, but to recognise it, label it, and, and to put mm-hmm. something in place to, to as a kind of antidote to that. And just recognising it is often an antidote, but mm-hmm. more extreme feelings than to reach out to somebody else and, sh- mm-hmm. and share. Oh, I'm, I'm really craving something at the mm. moment and um so yeah mindfulness was hugely important um did it enable you to kind of hold hold that feeling for yourself yes like you said rather than reacting mm. yeah it just slow just to slow down a little bit mm. um, to be a bit more patient mm. um i think having i had quite a strong intention um, and an aspiration of myself. I mean, as I said, it wasn't. It was always a um, a temporary arrangement. I didn't mm-hmm. see this was a lifetime choice. But I have a I have a, a desire to have a healthy, happy, meaningful, pleasureful, re- conscious relationship with someone. Um, mm. That's I didn't lose that, but I realised that I was in no state really to offer that to somebody else if Mm. i wasn't able to offer that to somebody else why would anyone offer it to me it it wouldn't be a meeting of of equals and the kind of relationship i wanted the kind of person i i I had a vision for being with um it's a sense of well i need to make myself or grow into my own version of that and then it will kind of come naturally Mm. Um, so having that aspiration was quite important. Beautiful. 
I've really enjoyed sharing this with you. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk. It's been, been a pleasure. You have been listening to Brighton Talk Sex. Audio hosted by Michelle Roberton. For more information, please visit brightontalksex.com.